My name is Dan Neal, I'm a partner at Trevor Smith. I'm here with my partner Joe Wren and uh, Karina and Ema from EY. This is a continuation of a conversation we've been having about surplus. Uh, and, and the topic for, uh, for debate right now is, is what schemes and corporates uh, can do where, uh, where a scheme is in deficit currently, cash contributions being paid into the scheme, and, and where surplus and the potential for surplus in the future is, is starting to, um, to, to, to sort of feature in people's thinking and, and, and how that can be avoided, I, I'm guessing, um, particularly. Do you, do you have thoughts on that, um, Karina? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, um, you know, we've talked about before, I think it's really important to plan ahead for that kind of situation. Um, we've seen that funding levels can move very quickly um, and people can find themselves in that kind of situation, perhaps when we weren't expecting it. So some of these structures um, that, that schemes can put in place, like a reservoir trust, for example, like an asset-backed funding structure, which um, can be switched on or off, depending on funding levels. So some of these things can allow trustees to and companies to manage the situation so that they don't get to a surplus and that surplus isn't trapped in the scheme. From a trustee perspective obviously trustees would always rather have the money in the scheme in a sense so from a trustee perspective what's what's the what are the key things that trustees are looking for um, when, when agreeing to these sorts of uh, sort of out of scheme funding structures? So I think yeah it's really important to you know make sure that any structures that are put in place you know are sort of legally enforceable and have the right protections for the trustees so that they can access the money you know when they need it and if there's an event of sort of corporate distress it's quite important and, and that's you know certainly something that um, will be on their minds where there's um, an asset back contribution involved you know they'll clearly want to make sure the asset underpinning it all has a value in a distress scenario and, and you know again there's value to be accessed there when it's needed. Um, some of the structures we're seeing um, at the moment, they're also um, be, they're being set up in such a way that the investment strategy within can be complementary to the existing investment strategy and that can be attractive. But again, you know, I think that's an area where trustees um, you know, want to have a hand in the design. And that's interesting, we were talking about this earlier, weren't we? There's, there's, there's more flexibility, clearly, to what you can do with money outside a pension scheme than money inside a pension scheme, Joe. I mean, have we seen, what, 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 what are your sort of thoughts on that? That's not something that I've typically seen as being an advantage of this sort of structure, but the conversation we were having the other day made me think that actually there are some real... It, it definitely is, because again, when, when you build whatever it is, whether it's the fund outside or whether it's the contribution structure, again, the, the sort of wrapper that goes around these can look like a lot of different things. But... From a legal and regulatory perspective, there are obviously very, very prescriptive rules that must be followed in terms of managing assets within the scheme. Now, you can, to some extent, free yourself from some of those shackles when you're running assets outside the scheme. Now, that obviously still needs to be in conjunction with the rest of the asset mix within the, the, the portfolio of, of assets that the trustee has. But for example, you can put some potentially riskier or more interesting or high yielding assets outside the scheme. You can set them up in a, in a structure where the trustee is seeing real benefit to that because they're getting exposure to these higher returning assets. But then also you can enter into an arrangement where the sponsor is seeing some of that upside as well. So in an ideal scenario, we get that win-win where sort of everyone you know, benefits from having this set up. And also it adds some interesting things, for example, like the ability to say borrow against assets 
which are held in funds outside the pension scheme. Now, that can be useful for a whole variety of reasons if, if liquidity is required. And I guess the recent LDI thing would be an example of something where being able to move quick in that way would be... Ex exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and so, again, if you find yourself in a position where, in the ordinary course, you might have been looking to liquidate assets that you didn't want to as a, as a sort of um, buyer in a distressed market, if, for example, you could borrow against assets that are sitting outside the scheme, that might be just another useful, useful tool to have. But again, always making sure that, that any kind of exposure to these, to these outside of scheme assets is proportionate, that the trustee is approaching it in a perspective which they thinks is sensible and there's an adequate underpin so that actually if it doesn't perform as anticipated, the trustee has that level of security. And I mean security not just in the sort of narrow sense as a lawyer, but actually how secure are these assets and what is the other recourse that they have, whether that's to sponsor balance sheets or, or, or otherwise. So many of these things always circle back to covenant, don't they? I think they do, and that's, that's the key, isn't it? It's the right covenant underpin, and that can be, as, as Joe said, access to the, the sponsor balance sheet in a wider sense. It can be access to a particular asset in a sort of more traditional security structure. It could even be third-party insurance or letter of credit. We've seen that in some situations more recently. If the sponsor has a strong covenant, they might be able to access very you know, cheaply that kind of uh, underpin for the scheme. So I think that but that's absolutely crucial. And you know, when you're structuring something like that, it's really important to look at the quality of the asset, as Ema said, and how you access it. So that sort of legal documentation around when you can access this and those trigger points is almost more important because actually if you can't access it, it doesn't matter how good it is. So I think that's a really key thing for trustees to think about. Yeah, absolutely. And one other consideration in the mix here for, for sponsors is if there's additional cost and complexity being brought in as a result of this structure, effectively, who's paying for it? What are the other considerations around it? Because again, it, it can look very appealing to have these assets, but if you're building something that needs an external manager, needs to be run, there's a compliance cost associated with it as well. We have to make sure that, that what we're coming up with, again, delivers that benefit for the trustee, for the sponsor, and doesn't create a huge amount of sort of compliance and administrative burden around the site. So we've seen obviously recently with the um, sort of the, the, the LDI issue changed the fortunes of lots of schemes sort of quite dramatically in, 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 in sort of both directions, good and bad. I mean, does that, does that give us some, uh, some pointers as to, as to when we should start to think about surplus because it, it clearly can arise or, or evaporate relatively quickly? Yeah, I think that's right, um, Dan, absolutely. I think, you know, as, as we've seen, things can change quite quickly. So, so now is really the time to be, to be planning ahead. Um, and in particular, with the new funding code and new regulations coming out, there will be a requirement to have a written, you know, end game plan in place. And so, you know, potentially the conversations around that could be a, a good time to bring this sort of planning into the equation. Um, or, or alternatively, you know, the next valuation um, a triennial valuation after all of last year's turmoil, yeah. you know, that, that feels also like a sort of a, a useful sort of milestone to, to start having these conversations. It, it does feel like at a point in time where, where there will naturally sort of be that conversation, particularly from a, from a trustee perspective, just sort of wearing a sort of trustee advisor hat just for a minute now, clearly trustees will not want there to be disincentives from, from employers sort of putting the money into pension schemes that they want to, to get to their, their designated chosen end point. Um, and, and some of that might require trustees to give corporates comfort around avoiding these surplus situations building up or, or even some comfort around what might happen if a surplus does arise. And so do join us for the next session um, when we're going to be talking about schemes that have already got a surplus and, and the sorts of things that trustees and corporates will be thinking about in that scenario.